Okay, what's your name? Nicholas Gambita. Okay, first question is, have you ever heard of Freddie Mercury? Yes. Um, well, my mother and father would listen to Queen all the time, and then now that I listen to Queen, and so that's how I know him. Do you know how he died? Dead of AIDS. And how did you find this out? Maybe my parents or, you know, a loved one. I'm not sure how. Do you know what the Stonewall riots were? Yes. What are they? Uh, it was when LGBTQ plus individuals um, rioted for LGBTQ plus rights. Um, yeah. Um, this is a little different, but what do you think people are going to remember about COVID in 40 years? Um, what they're going to remember about it? Mm -hmm. Like when people think back to COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic, what do you think they're going to think about immediately? I think they're just, I think in 40 years, it's going to become another historical event. And I'm, what I mean by that, like, so with the flu in 1918, uh, you know, the Spanish flu, we look at that and we're like, oh, people died of the flu back then. And then we look at, you know, um, civil rights and we say, oh, we have the civil rights movement. And then I think in 40 years, we're going to hear COVID and we're going to say there was another pandemic in 2020. It's not going to be anything crazy or anything like that. I feel like it's just going to be a part of the past that people study, not feel or something like that. Except like, I feel like people that have lived through it are going to have different, obviously like different feelings towards it, but the newer generations are not going to understand like we do. What do you know about the AIDS crisis? Um, in current America or like... In general, anything you know that comes to your head? With AIDS, um, I know that um, in the past it was feared um, and with that it brought a lot of hate and um, just discrimination towards the LGBTQ plus community um, because people thought it was like a gay disease. It wasn't something that uh, individuals in straight relationships could get. Um, I know today that people are still suffering from it, but I, I believe that it's gotten better because of protection, um, stuff like that. But yeah. Do you know of any other celebrities that have or had AIDS? Um, it could be anybody today. It could be anybody back then. So the answer could be no. I don't think so. No. I don't think. Do I you know, know who Charlie that. Sheen is? Yes. He's HIV positive. Oh really? Oh yeah. yes. Oh, okay. I, did, I actually didn't yeah. know that. I just forgot about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um. And then there is somebody on Queer Eye. I don't know if you've heard about them. They're non-binary, um, but the, so they go by I all think, pronouns. So. Is that the? I think there was like one of the past. Is that like a new? There was a Queer Eye that was like in like the eighties or something. No, like there's a current too. Queer Eye that I the just didn't know one. if you heard about that one too. But I didn't know about yeah. him today. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks. Hi everyone, this is Emily. This is Alyssa. This is JT. And this is Sammy. And welcome to Back to Normal. If you couldn't tell from our previous interviews, today we are talking about the AIDS crisis and how to go back to normal after an epidemic. We are going to be discussing three segments throughout the podcast. These are pop culture, activism, and scientific facts. Now, Sammy, I know that you are focusing on pop culture. Do you want to start that? Um, I'm interested to hear what you found. 
Yeah, so I think the biggest problem that lies within the AIDS crisis is ignorance. When people don't know, they make their own assumptions and just change details to be what they perceive it to be. The biggest stereotype was that AIDS could only be transmitted between gay people. This came proven to be untrue as many straight white male celebrities were contracting the disease. Have you ever heard of Rock Hudson? Rock Hudson was known as this perfect alpha male who was a real-life Prince Charming. Hudson died at just 59 years old due to complications with AIDS. He had a huge impact on the media and his fans as people knew him for making men laugh and women fall in love with him. Unfortunately, the media documented his whole career with just his illness. His fans turned their backs on him and the diagnosis defamed his entire legacy. Like Rock Hudson, people's illness seemed to define them and outshine their legacy, which was one extreme. The other was that no one knew or spoke about them. There are so many black celebrities that have died of AIDS that no one talks about. Some people have also not even heard of these celebrities. The main one talked about is Freddie Mercury, who is in fact white. Kenny Green was a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. Eazy-E was the founder of Ruthless Records and the group NWA. He's even credited for inventing the music genre gangster rap. Arthur Ashe was a professional tennis player. And there are so many more, but no one talks about them and their contraction of AIDS. This is probably due to the fact that they weren't as famous as Mercury, but it could also be due to people being prejudiced. Charlie Sheen announced to the world that he was HIV positive, further shedding light onto the destructive illness. As a rich, famous, white, and at the time heterosexual man, he was unlike the disease's normal target. Another form of targeting that came with the disease was talked about by actor Sheen, who notes that he was the target of blackmail due to his diagnosis, forcing him to reveal it to the public. Furthermore, this was brought to awareness possibly because of his famous name. Rock Hudson and Charlie Sheen weren't the only ones whose diagnosis of AIDS shocked the world. As mentioned earlier in the podcast, legend Freddie Mercury from Queen was diagnosed with the disease and the world will never be the same. Though AIDS cut Mercury's life short at age 45, it didn't stop him from becoming the legend he always dreamed of being. Mercury was diagnosed with the infamous disease in 1987. He chose to keep the knowledge to himself out of respect for his parents. Mercury did eventually come out to the world as being attracted to men. AIDS was to be believed that it was a disease only transmitted through gay sex. Being a public figure, the disease was brought to light and eventually the truth was uncovered that it could be transmitted by anyone. This might not have been possible if celebrities had not been open on talking about the topic. Public figures giving recognition to the disease really affected the way it was perceived by the world. Princess Diana was someone who suffered every day with loneliness and depression. As much as she saw her own pain, she saw others too. She lived with people every day that were sick and dying with AIDS. Fear rid the country as she voluntarily shook hands with 12 male patients without gloves. This was a major step in the recognition of the AIDS crisis. However, considering people believed AIDS could be contracted by just touch, people feared that she would transmit the disease too. This important public figure doing what everyone feared would bring hope to dismiss the stigma. Because celebrities like Princess Diana gave recognition to the disease, so did the rest of the world. Hollywood director John Singleton brought to light the extent of the virus in Africa, expressing that 6.5% of adults in the country have the virus. 
Singleton created an organization where 350 children who had lost one or both parents to AIDS were given financial help. Singleton used his voice and his power because he knew what it was like to be voiceless. He was the first African-American director to get an Oscar nomination for Best Director. Organizations and events like these really furthered the fight against AIDS. One of the most important events in the AIDS fight, if not the most important, was the celebrity event that raised 14 million euros, 30 million dollars for AIDS. Just the celebrities' recognition was spreading awareness. But as they began to raise money, this held a huge impact on fighting for a cure. Some celebrities in attendance at the event were Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Ford. Some items sold were a Picasso drawing and an Andy Warhol painting, which was really expensive pieces that were dedicated to this important cause. Today, the media has slowly started to input the crisis into movies and TV shows. A specific show discusses the story of three individuals, Richie, Colin, and Roscoe, who leave home at the young age of 18 to begin their new lives in 1981 London. However, they find themselves challenged by a world plagued by a mysterious illness that most of the world ignores. This is a TV show called It's a Sin, which aired in January 2021 that really sheds light on the AIDS crisis. Another example of AIDS being represented was with Pose. Pose was a TV series that aired in 2018. It sets in New York in the late 80s and early 90s. It tells the story of ball culture and the gay and trans community as the AIDS crisis and capitalism take over the world. Hey guys, do you know who Rock Hudson is? I do not know who he is at all. I've heard of his name briefly mentioned. The first time I've heard of it is when you introduced him to us. Yeah, it's really interesting because he was a huge celebrity um, back at the time when the AIDS crisis was at its height. Do you guys know who Kenny Green is? Not at all. Like, I don't even know the name. Never heard of him. Neither do I. Again, this is, like, coming out of nowhere. I've never heard of almost any of them, but uh, continue, please. Yeah, prior to doing the research, I didn't know much about him either. But considering he was a Grammy nominee, I'm sure he held a huge impact in the music industry. Now, do you guys know who Freddie Mercury is? Of course. Obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody, great movie. 10 out of 10. Legend. Okay, but what if I just said no? No. Obviously, I know who he is. Yeah, so that's really interesting because he just held such an impact on the music world. Like, there were some people that um, the AIDS disease, like, defined their entire career. Um, But with Freddie Mercury, it was just, like, a small portion of who he was. So that was kind of interesting. It is interesting because until I saw the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, I never knew he even had AIDS or was gay. And when I found out, I was like, wow, like, where was this information? Yeah, I I had known that he was gay before, but I didn't know he had AIDS. I I really didn't know a whole lot about him. Uh, I've never actually even seen the movie, so that's something that I plan to, to check out once we finish up the podcast. Um, so that is that is some more research that I can do at the end of all this, and I'm excited to do so. So a lot of movies and TV shows, celebrities, etc., try to educate people on the disease and its effect on the world. But that seems to be where the discussion ends, just informing, which like I said at the beginning, is the biggest problem when it comes to the AIDS crisis. However, we shouldn't just stop there. We also have to bring in the idea of activism when it comes to the AIDS crisis. This is vital in our pursuit of getting back to normal. 
Government was part of the problem with the recognition of AIDS, which is just one of the things my co-host Emily will discuss in her segment. Silence equals death, a poster that was lifted through dozens of protests to save lives. During the 1980s, the government chose to stay quiet as members of their society were dying. The government's reaction was short to nothing but laughter. Reagan's press secretary, Larry Speaks, would continue to respond in the same way through the decade, and whenever a question was asked about AIDS, he always made sure to ask, well, do you have a two? Hoping for the person to instantly shut down the question. Not only was the government shutting down concerns about the AIDS crisis, but being gay was in a sense illegal due to the homosexual conduct law and sodomy laws, which were in place to stop sexual activities between same sex and give the power to arrest them for it. This was struck down as unconstitutional in 2003 due to the Supreme Court case Lawrence v. Texas, which was only 19 years ago. As the community's love was considered a crime, many members of the LGBTQ community were also being murdered, truly for just being who they are. Being gay in the 20th century was not as normalized as it is today. The silence of the government created an uproar through the streets. Voices rise through the ashes. Activists during this time started off with providing health care for those who were ill. One group in particular is the Gay Men Health Crisis, which is the oldest HIV slash AIDS service in the world. In the late 80s, activist group ACT UP was created. This organization was legendarily known for speeding the government's response to the AIDS crisis, allowing quicker testing and treatment of life-saving experimental drugs, and drawing the public's attention to the deadly impact of homophobic public health policies. ACT UP was the leading activist group for the AIDS crisis. They were constantly creating noise to get the government's attention on this issue and to finally bring attention and solve a way to end the AIDS crisis. One of their demonstrations that stands out to me the most is Stop the Church, which happened on December 10th, 1989. It disrupted a mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. 111 protesters were arrested and 53 of them who were arrested inside the church. The main objective of this demonstration was to make sure that they're teaching public schools about safe sex. Their goal was to make sure that condoms were given out to teenagers to stop the spread of HIV and AIDS. During the protest, so many other groups joined, like the Women's Health Action, which was very powerful during this time, as both of these groups were both opposed by the Catholic people. The AIDS crisis did not only affect gay males, even though it was considered the gay disease. It also affected heterosexual men, trans women, and many other members of the LGBTQ plus community who do not identify as a gay male. Most importantly, it affected the pioneers of LGBTQ plus history, 
specifically the Stonewall Riots. The Stonewall Riots took place on June 28, 1969. It is the moment in history where the LGBTQ plus community decided to fight back. This was monumental as it transformed activism for the gay community and influenced a lot of the activism that took place during the late 80s for the AIDS crisis. The pioneers of the Stonewall Riots were a part of these movements. Many of them had AIDS or died of AIDS. Marsha P. Johnson was a historical figure that had AIDS. She was the person who started the riots. She was the movement. She, however, did not die of AIDS, but she was a big part of playing a role in advocating and being there for her family. Yeah, I know tons of people that have been sick with me. I mean, I don't think that you should be ashamed of anybody you know to have AIDS. I think you should stand as close to them as you can and help them out as much as you can. I'm a strong believer in that, and that's how come I try and do that for everybody I know that has the virus, including myself. I have HIV. I've HIV for about two years. What's so monumental to hear from the pioneers of the Stonewall Riots and people who were diagnosed from AIDS is that their story is hidden. It is not told. It is not discussed. And that's why it's so important to talk about the late 90s and how the AIDS crisis simply disappeared from the conversation. The gay community turned the conversation to gay marriage and gay representation rather than on the AIDS crisis. This was a time when AIDS led to more treatment and it started to become less of a death sentence. The reason why the gay community wanted the conversation to change was because they were being represented in media based on the disease itself. They didn't want to be documented as somebody with this disease. They didn't want it to be their history. They wanted to separate themselves, which is very monumental as ACT UP was a big part of activism as a whole and really transformed the way that the government viewed the community as ACT UP created change. Their emotions that they faced instantly became actions to take. They changed the narrative for queer history and activism became a big part of the community's identity due to ACT UP. However, the government was also okay with the gay community changing the narrative. AIDS was a conversation that was disappeared within the history textbooks. Even though it was a national trauma, it didn't last for them to tell the story. This is current in where we are today. Currently, there is a don't say gay bill that prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in Florida's primary schools. This conversation about the AIDS crisis that we're having today on this podcast is dedicated to tell the stories of those who couldn't.
to educate the students in the LGBTQ plus community that deserve to hear their history. Going back to normal should always be discussing a historical event. History should not repeat itself, and that's why it is told. However, the government never tells the stories that are meant to be taught. The LGBTQ plus community deserves to hear their history and to learn that their community is so resilient it was never was silent but only silenced by their government. When we think of going back to normal, our thoughts instantly lead to the pandemic we're currently facing in 2022. However, the epidemic in the 1980s differed in many areas. My co-host JT will discuss more deeply the medical and scientific side of things. Take it away. All right. Very recently, I had the pleasure of sitting down with my father, Dan Mahan, to talk about the AIDS crisis's onset as well as today. Here's his introduction. All right, so let me give you some background. Sure. So sure. I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for about 35 years now, as far as manufacturing uh, different things, as far as small molecules from, uh, I would say, uh, vitamin B to large molecules such as vaccines. When the AIDS crisis first broke out, there wasn't a whole lot of panic surrounding it, as you've heard earlier in the podcast. However, it quickly became something much larger than people expected. And it was very much, um, yeah, we thought it was just a very transcendental thing. It would be like, um, kind of like a cold. Uh, it wasn't a big thing. And then it, it really exploded. As the crisis ramped up, the first marketable drug that could fight off AIDS was sent into the world during March of 1987. The drug was AZT, a wonder drug at the time, which helped extend the lifespan of HIV-positive patients. Though it would later be found to be toxic, at the time, it was the first drug of its kind. AZT was the shift in the treatment of HIV-AIDS in which doctors began to treat HIV as a chronic illness rather than an acute issue. The trend continued into the 2000s in which room temperature rapid tests and infection rate cutting plans were starting to really make the headway for the idea of treatment for HIV-AIDS instead of a cure. Yeah, not a problem. So whenever you can deploy rapid diagnostics, like the tests you're talking about, it's it's far better for the patient and their families to know as soon as possible so they can start on treatment regimes as soon as possible as well. And as we got into the 90s, you actually started to see different things besides AZT come onto, uh, onto the, uh, the stage, as it were, as far as treatment regimes. So they would do different things depending on what stage the patient was entering. So you could get different cocktails. Um, one of the famous examples in that, and I think it was during the 90s, is a basketball player, Magic Johnson, who got onto different regimes and continued as, his, as he progressed and uh, has never developed into AIDS. So he's been living with it as a kind of a chronic disease similar to diabetes. 
Yeah, I heard about that recently. One of my friends actually told me about that, one of the people that I'm working with right now. Uh, and I had never known that Magic Johnson had AIDS, like, completely went over my head. It was never talked about, so. Yeah, when it first came out, it was big news. But because it never progressed, nobody ever talks about it anymore. You, you rarely hear about it at all. And like yourself, there's a lot of people who are surprised when they learn about it. Mm -hmm. And Charlie Sheen was another example that was uh, brought up to me recently. Uh, exactly. As somebody who who's HIV positive that is still living their lives completely normally. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think his was in the 2000s or maybe early 2010s thereabouts where he came out saying that he had it as well. And similar to, to Magic Johnson, he got onto a regime and um, it, again, they tr just treat it as a chronic disease now. Anybody who, who caught AIDS or had HIV back in the 80s the prognosis was always, almost always death. I, I can't remember anybody who survived it before the onset of AZT and then the other cocktails that came after that. But nowadays, if somebody has it and it's caught early enough and they can get on the, the treatment regimes early enough, they essentially are, are slated to live a regular life. Uh, you know, their lifespan isn't going to be impacted. At least that's what they say now. We, we haven't seen anybody deteriorate Again, Magic Johnson, like we were saying, and Charlie Sheen. Um, it's projected they're going to live just a, a normal life. Even still, there's still a lot to be learned. Very recently, a woman was cured of HIV completely due to a byproduct of a transplant, the third in a string of similar cases. The transplant meant that her immune system had to be suppressed to the point of near elimination in fear of transplant's rejection. However, it was found that she no longer had HIV after it was returned to her, just as the other two transplant patients did. Um, they just don't do this just because, and they would never do it because of HIV at this point. Um, don't think they would ever do it because there are effective treatments. But because they were able to wipe out her entire immune system and give her stem cells to give her a brand new immune system, the knock-on effect was she was cured of HIV. That being said, while in the United States the virus is something that is treatable and survivable, there are parts of the world that still do not have the availability of materials used in the process. The unfortunate fact is, in poorer and more rural sections of the world, the chances of getting tested early enough to start on a plan, combined with the chance of medication being in stock, is rare especially when transport to the nearest clinic is more than a day's travel away by foot. This, on top of the continued stigmatization of HIV and AIDS, to the point where children are being forced out of family homes to die in streets in other parts of the world, leaves extensive room for further development. As the battle against HIV continues, so too must the stories of those who have suffered against the effects of the virus be told. Otherwise, there is no back to normal. And that was my segment on the medical side of the AIDS crisis. It's fantastic that people are able to start living long, healthy lives uh, with this disease, even though from before it was effectively a death sentence. Um, even with what I had said before with somebody getting cured of it very recently, it is a, an astounding leap in the medical field and even adds an avenue for a cure to finally be developed for this disease, which was almost unthinkable. 
Yeah, Charlie Sheen, the actor that I mentioned earlier in my podcast, he is still HIV positive, so unfortunately he is not cured yet, but he is living. So that is a lot for um, a lot of the AIDS patients. And did you say when he got... uh... Uh, when he came out as being uh, HIV positive? Um, I think it was 2015, I want to say. 2015, that's, that's a very long time to still be HIV positive and not have it develop into AIDS. Like, yeah. that, is, that is amazing. And then he came out as bisexual in 2017. So at the time, they kind of were just, like, so surprised, again, because it was, like, just another heterosexual man that was getting diagnosed with the disease that they thought was just happening with gay people. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting about that, thinking on having a treatment, which is amazing, it's the fact that during the 90s, instantly, they kind of shut down the idea of association with the AIDS crisis. It was a conversation that wasn't really talked about with identity because the gay community didn't want to be associated with it, which makes sense when you're trying to live a traditional lifestyle of being able to have the rights to get married and have kids. And that's why I think Freddie Mercury is so iconic, but none of us really knew that he had AIDS. And it kind of comes back to me with the current laws that are in conversation of the Don't Say Gay Bill, which I talk about more in my segment. I feel like LGBTQ plus history is silent, and the fact that schools want to continue to make it silent is erasing a whole chapter, especially something so big of the AIDS crisis, which is why I want to talk about it to share like this happened and people are still living with it and it kind of relates to where we are right now with our pandemic and how we might be going back to normal is it going to be suppressing it as if it never happened or is it going to be looked at differently as we will all we all experienced it it wasn't just with minority groups you know emily that's a great point to bring up too about the current pandemic because i did read that actually with covid cases that hiv testing is going down so while there are still cases out there there's less testing happening for it that's really interesting and it's a shame too because like with the testing that is something that is a major piece of news that somebody can have and if they get on it fast enough then absolutely they can live a very long time but if they end up missing it for so long it could end up developing into aids and then it not having as much of a, uh, a, a possibility to have such a long life. But even with HIV, it's very possible to have a, a long life, as I had said before. And, yep. what's, and what's exciting from Sammy's segment about all the TV shows she's talked about, it's giving a platform to tell the stories of what it was like for AIDS, for the AIDS crisis and people in the gay community. Like, It's a Sin was all about showcasing um the lesbian friends who were there taking care of you know their gay housemates and sadly having to watch them die and i think what's important to note is the stonewall riots is a major part of queer history but there's also multiple other riots and a bunch of other stuff that isn't talked about because the history of it is erased because the people died and haven't been able to tell the story And so I think what's so great about this episode is that we can share their story and be able to give a voice to the AIDS crisis. Yeah, that's why I think media is just so important because all these public figures and celebrities celebrities just bringing awareness is just having a huge impact on it because 
um, if like just a random individual is talking about it, like a lot of times no one's going to care, no one's going to pay attention. But when a celebrity like Freddie Mercury or Princess Diana starts talking about it or like having a celebrity fundraiser, like it's going to be talked about. Absolutely. What's so cool now is that there's so many celebrities who are open about having HIV and showcasing their life and getting married and like having kids and showing that you can still be everything you want even with a diagnosis. Yeah, even if you haven't heard about Freddie Mercury or you don't know that he had AIDS, there's that one guy part of Queer Eye. Jonathan Van Ness. Yes, him. Icon. He he has AIDS, he's HIV positive and he's living his best life. He's married and everything. So I think it's even if you don't know about the historical figures that had AIDS, even today, like Emily said, there's people out there that are still living with it. And Jonathan Van Ness is a non-binary person, and that shows that it's not just people who are males, or it's people who are trans, it's people who are non-binary, gender fluid, so the list goes on and on. It's everybody as well, like it's just, it, it's awful, it, it really is. It's it, not it's, this gay play. Exactly, that exactly. That that everybody thought it was and still is stigmatized to today it's but seeing these celebrities come out is able to inspire other people to even just get tested is just monumental it's something that is at one point unheard of yeah i recently watched this movie called three months where it showcased a gay male who was graduating from high school and had to wait three months to know if he had HIV and the story didn't say if he did or not but it showcased that he learned that he can live any life he wants. That being said I think what's so important is to understand that you can go back to normal and there's a lot of different versions of normal. Exactly but that is this episode of Back to Normal. If you want to learn more, you can go back to the website where we have several different articles available for further research. We also have a couple of different uh, talking points uh, that can also act as a deeper dive into the subject. That's it. Thank you, guys. And this was Back to Normal.